complicated and fascinating world that invites us to dive deep into its intricacies. Exploring the ideas and events that excite, intrigue, irritate, and confound us is how we graduate our knowledge beyond meme culture. Join us over a cocktail as we expand our understanding and share in the beauty we find along the way. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. And I'm Stephen Henning. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. Hello, Kat and Stephen. Hello. Welcome back to the Whiskey Bench. I'm your host, <laughs> Stephen Hot Soup Henning. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, See, I talk about Twitter, and then I just accidentally start some fake Twitter controversy amongst our uh, our friend circle here. We had a solid probably 50 tweets combined discussing <laughs> hot soup, cold soup, lukewarm soup. Definition of soup. Yeah. Hot cereal, cold cereal. Cold soup matters. Yeah. Yeah. That was mm. a weird energy my wife brought. Cold soup. I was, Stop I actually it. was thinking Stop that. It, <laughs> I was thinking about the cereal thing and I was like, no, I'm not going to open this can of worms, but you know, Dixie <laughs> yeah, did. That's, so that's, uh, yeah. Dixie, Dixie's really good at just like throwing a little dynamite in the, in the garbage can and just walking away. <laughs> yeah. She does that pretty well, but uh, yeah, I mean, so the definition of hot soup or soup in general should be hot. That was my original contention. Glad we were all here for it. It's still why Twitter is the best because we can have fights about it and it's fine. We're all friends. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I did realize funny enough that I made the Gestapo joke and I was like, huh? Yeah. That's kind of like calling someone a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but a little bit, was, but I shot you. Was, I shot you down pretty easily. <laughs> but it was it was a play on words, right? right? Like you know, it absolutely was. And then you know, police, and so yeah, you know, like the the viral thing that's like tell tell me that you are blank without saying blank. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I've been enjoying those recently. Those like, are pretty uh, fun. There's quite that's me, quite the template. Tell me you were raised uh, evangelical Christian without. Telling me you were raised evangelical Christian. Yeah. And it'll be like, my first concert was. Skillet. Yeah. Or whatever, <laughs> whatever it would be. My, my, no my version of that, I, I quote tweeted that and, you know, tell me you're evangelical without telling me you're evangelical. And all I said was farewell, Rob Bell. <laughs> Boom roasted. Thank you, John Piper, for this. <laughs> This long-lasting, <laughs> awkward tweet out there. You know, you know how Christians should just excommunicate each other. Getting into it, right? We're right feisty. Away. We're giggly. Here we go. We're, yeah, we are drinking uh, per usual. We are. Uh, we're we're slurping. We're slurping on some Sazeracs, which might be sacrilegious to use the word slurp. <laughs> yeah, uh, but there's some good alliteration of, treasure there, so you can't. Yes. You can't not dig for it. I agree with that. So this is uh, up on the top of my uh, favorite drinks list. It's a beautiful drink. Kind of a, well, I don't even know what color you would. An ambery. Yeah. Yeah. Red amber. It's rye, a little bit of simple syrup, and Peychaud bitters. And then you stir that over ice and then serve it in a glass that has a absinthe rinse. So you take absinthe and you coat like the walls of the glass with it and then you pour the drink into it. So it has all these layers of flavors and then you've got 
the lemon peel that you express the oils and drop that in there. So you get like orange oil on your nose and then kind of that smooth buttery oil on the first sip. And then you get absinthe and then you get rye and then you finish with kind of that undertone of the bitters. It's a good burn. It lingers. Yes, it's a yeah, sipper. It's, it's it's potent. I it's like a very, it. It's you know you, just, you put it in a big rocks glass and it's just a little drink because it's there's no ice in it or anything, but it's cold and mm-hmm. it's delicious. But it's kind of an interesting drink because in America, if you order it, it's always made with rye whiskey, um, but that wasn't always the case. It originally was made with cognac, and uh, one of the big reasons was is it was invented by a Creole apothecary from Louisiana. Uh, his name was Anton Peshaud. Mm. Uh, he was an apothecary. He had a little like pharmacist or pharmacy and he would make bitters and tinctures and serve them. And the Peshaud bitter was his own proprietary concoction that he would serve. And he was in the French quarters of um, New Orleans. And then shortly after that, this was 1830, um, a little bit later, 1850, there was a uh, coffee house called the Sol Taylor's Sazerac Coffee House, which was named after a cognac imported from France. And so they serve what we're drinking now at this coffee house only with cognac instead of rye. But the reason it's predominantly made with rye now, and that's kind of what we perceive it as um, being made with, is because... In the late 1800s, there was a plague of phylloxera, which is basically like locusts that eat white wine grapes. Mm. So they swept across France, absolutely decimated all of the wine crops. And then there was almost no cognac to be found in the United States. Uh Then prohibition hit, and we kind of forgot about that, and it's been rye ever since. Mm. But I prefer it with cognac. It's really good. (laughs) But you order it, you're like, I want a pre-prohibition Sazerac. And they just kind of roll their eyes. Yeah. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. They're like, just sub the rye for brandy, okay? <laughs> and what are the Peshan bitters? What are they made out of? Do we um, know? Or is it a secret recipe? I'm sure there's some idea of what's in it. I actually don't know what's in it. Hmm. I probably should. Yeah, it's delicious. We'll update you on that one. It's fine. <laughs> there you go. They're beautiful and red. Torna, educate me about absinthe and why it's famous for getting people wasted. So we were actually just talking about this. Um, Wormwood, one of the main ingredients, technically does have a a chemical that is a hallucinogenic. However, Uh, from everything I've seen is that the concentrations you would have to consume of it are pretty high. However, one of the reasons why I think people got so swifty off of it is because of how high an alcohol content it has. Mm. Like it's pretty common that it's at least a hundred proof and sometimes upwards of like 120 proof. And that's pretty strong, especially cause it's so sweet. And then usually you're preparing it with water and sugar. And so you can pound a lot of absinthe. Oh yeah. So I, I think okay. people are just like, you know, if you're drinking something that's almost 60%, that's a lot of alcohol. I'm not sure how it's made now and obviously you know distilling was less refined in like the 1800s when kind of the absinthe boom was so i'm sure there was you know 
yeah bad chemicals think, in it and, i think mixing it with sugar is where it gets dangerous because people can just suck right. that down like it's a coca-cola yeah and, uh i mean yeah i mean <laughs> that's why coca-cola got famous isn't it oh, yeah. so <laughs> i guess for an update uh i just learned because i've never really paid attention but my delicious 16 year old lagavulin whiskey is 86 proof Pretty high up there. It's not bad. I'm sure there's some regulation like uh, scotch from this region has to be between this and this proof. Otherwise, it's considered null or whatever. Oh, yeah. So that's how a lot of things are. Like bourbons have to be at least, I think it might be like 37.5%. Well, and ha- absinthe too, right? Like to sell it legally in the United States, isn't it not as high of an alcohol content? Maybe so. It could As be. it like traditionally was. Yeah, maybe so. I think so. that's the case. Oh, there you go. Yeah. This is why moonshiners make a lot of money because they can, they can just blow out regulation. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> just you get can always it, just man. Use Everclear. Oh, God. I yeah, mean, you could. I mean. I got a. Uh, just drink some Everclear, eat some mushrooms. I def- <laughs> same thing. I definitely have a <laughs> gallon handle of Everclear. In the pantry, you do what? Yeah. What for experimentation? Or like for bitters, and then ah, yeah, you can make apple pie moonshine with it pretty easy. And you can make it's good for for tinctures, isn't it? Yeah, for yeah, medicine. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I had a buddy who, same thing. Yeah, yeah. she never sipped on it, but <laughs> it was for medicine. <laughs> it's not making. a sipping beverage. That's what alcoholic nah. would say, right? This is my medicine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> Danger. Yeah, getting into rough territory. I didn't know. So is it is it just a, like the definition of bourbon? It has to be a certain proof, or is that actual legal standard? It's a legal standard, and then also like bourbon has to be Kentucky bourbon, so it has to be from Kentucky. Otherwise, it's a different kind of whiskey. Like you can have a Kentucky bourbon style whiskey. Yeah, that's like made in Bozeman, but it's not actually mm. Kentucky bourbon. You can't brand it as Kentucky bourbon. Right, what just is like that champagne. A, like a patent right. thing? Yeah. <laughs> like Kentucky yeah, just has a patent on bourbon? Man, as being a libertarian person, I probably shouldn't be like pro. <laughs> Look at all this regulation you're signing on for. alcohol. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, you know what? If I want to grow some grapes in my backyard and call it champagne. Yeah. I think it's that, my right. I think in, this, in that case, though, it's <laughs> like mean, regulation following, like, it's already a precedent that's just set, right? Oh, yeah. I see. And so, like, well, how does that? How does it go? Tradition. It, I don't know what that's. <laughs> Isn't that? Is that fiddle on the roof? What is that? Oh, You're the musical guy, Henning. What's that from? Come on, Henning. I um, I'm nope. I can't do this one. Nope. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard the line you just quoted, but I, I yeah. couldn't tell you the source. I, I think it might. I think it could. I mean, probably maybe be yeah. fiddle on the roof. So it we'll go like that. it makes sense that a Scotch whiskey has to be from Scotland. That's, that's, I mean, I guess maybe we're just bumping up against that. Like it's just a, like by definition thing, by by tradition. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Korean whiskey, Japanese whiskey. Right. And then Montana whiskey. Indeed. Which is like, just okay. (laughs) Oh, is that right? (laughs) Not great. Mm. It's fine. Not great. Just fine. Is it a flavor thing or just you haven't found a good Montana distillery yet? They're just kind of all young. Mm. Oh, so like they got you know, one of the distilleries had like their special. They're like, we have some of the bottles from when we first started, and and they're like, you know, 
just standard like 10 year old man that's what an investment <laughs> to like start a distillery and start selling bottles well, like that yeah like yeah this business we had in mind 10 years ago here's the what's thing crazy what's crazy is a lot of of distilleries will like as they're being established have another distillery like they'll rebrand their bourbon or whatever and sell it oh okay like so the older stuff yeah themselves. yeah it's like mm-hmm. the seed money and, the seed stock right they're like mm-hmm. well we actually don't have like any 10 year old bourbon so we need to source it gotcha mm-hmm. interesting and it's yeah and the way they blend bourbons and keep flavor profiles consistent is impressive so if you buy a bottle of bourbon and it says 10 year that only means that it's guaranteed that the youngest bourbon in it is 10 years it could have yes some 50 year old bourbon in it because the master blenders every year or every batch are blending if it's a blended whiskey right are blending to keep flavor profiles consistent interesting they're quite the artisans wow we i like that neato i mean but then you get a, a delicious single malt like this lagavulin which i'm just going to keep talking about and you <laughs> and you know you know it's 16 right there yeah, it's very good. Like, right. Yeah. The whiskey I was drinking, or the whiskey I am drinking, started when I was nine years old. How fun is that? That's pretty fun. Right? <laughs> Want a bottle of Lafroy 30, so that would be amazing. Yeah, you talk about Lafroy a lot. Tell me about this whiskey. Maybe, maybe, Tell me maybe about I'll this get, beverage. Maybe my 30th birthday, Lafroy 30. Hmm. be kind of fun, maybe. Yeah, it's like your golden vintage. There you go. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's really any that are 27 years, so next year will be a, a downer of a birthday. I can't <laughs> find a 27-year-old, but... That's a hard year, absolutely. Uh, Lafroy is just um, particularly peaty. That's all. It's very uh, very strong. Another scotch, right? Or is it Irish? Uh, it is scotch, yes. Nice. Do you know if it's the same region as, as Lagavulin? Um, like down in the south. What is it's a Elay? Yeah, an Elay single malt. There it is. But I don't know where, like which island they're on. Not not nested in the beautiful Port Ellen, where my Lockerville <laughs> <Waka Fula> just. <laughs> you guys, hey. I know a lot about this whiskey. It's my favorite. This is good. You know they say the wand chooses the wizard, and sometimes I think the whiskey chooses the <laughs> the drinker. Oh man! Holy moly! <laughs> I'm, it looks like this Lafroy 30 in some places is selling for over $1,000 a bottle. Mm, I thought it was about 900 so that's about right. Wowzers. There's one that's selling for forty nine ninety five, but I have a feeling it's, it's not, not the same quality. There is like, <laughs> it's like a Pappy, like a Pappy 30 is probably seven grand. Wow. Oof. And then, wow. Um, wow, 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 wow. Okay. They get they get up there. And you said there's a place. Is it in Montana where you can go and taste, like sort of an incredible array of really I, top I shelf? I know scotch? there is a speakeasy in in Wyoming. Oh, it's Wyoming. Okay. I actually don't. It might be in Casper, but I actually think it's like a real speakeasy. Ah. And it's they only do private parties, mm-hmm. and there's no fee. It's like you go and you pay what you think you should pay. Right. And so a lot of, I know a lot of people 
not a lot of people, but I've known a few people that say they'll go there with like 10 guys and they just want to try stuff and they'll each bring like, you know, 200 bucks or whatever and Jeez. pitch in, give wow. them two grand and just what you, try oh everything. God. What are you guys? But it's like, <laughs> sorry, it's a, you get a private bartender. You, I mean, I've sure. only seen some pictures of their collection. It's vast. Hmm. But I don't even know how to get in contact with owners. Like, yeah, like how do it's you a, I think it's actually an underground thing. So. Right, right. Mm. One day you'll find yourself there. One day there. I'll find myself there, and then I'll get busted or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think of that, like, pay what you want or pay what you think it's worth model? Does that seem... Um, I, would, I would never do that because I, people are cheap. I'm not cheap, so I'm like, yeah, I, I know what this is worth, and I will pay a pretty penny to... I think that would it works for like a certain a very particular audience. Yes. With very particular like good or service that you're selling. Right. Exactly. Okay. But you know, you couldn't do that at like Walmart. You really got to know your <laughs> you market know? is what you're saying. <laughs> you got to know exactly. Yeah, you got to know your right. market. Right. Yeah, there's a there's a restaurant here in Billings that is like I just saw it on the news earlier. Um there's a restaurant here in Billings that's like after the Christmas season, they're converting into like a pay what you want nonprofit restaurant. We have one of those here in Bozeman. Mm, interesting. Really? I think it's called Fork. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that Fork the- or knife or some other. I know. Type of the picture has spoon. a spoon and a fork there in it. There it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the trifecta of yes. cutlery. <laughs> yes. Um,. Yeah, I just I feel like I I heard her pitch on the news like she was she was being featured obviously and she was like, you know, like if you if you feel like you want to support us, like pay more than what you think it's probably worth and that helps support someone who can't pay as much. And it's like Right. Man, that's that feels I mean like I know they're pivoting into explicitly being nonprofit. But even then, like how how do you survive? That's a really good question. And I know like a lot of younger people that will go to a restaurant and I think it's part of just being in Montana. Like if a dish is $30, they're like, that's outrageous. (laughs) I'm like, that's like pretty good for an entree. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know it's not, you know. Gavin wouldn't be like into it. But. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's not Gavin's speed. <laughs> Classic. Gavin. It's a cool model, though. I'd love to see, you know, if that works. Mm-hmm. It'd be worth actually sort of checking in on how the Bozeman branch is doing. And I wonder if it's the same um, oh. company. Do you remember? I don't. Henning, no, I don't remember called? her name. I'm sure I could look it up here. I took a Spanish class last winter with the head chef who in Bozeman has been she's like done a little bit of local media and is known a little bit around town. I wonder if it's the same gal. She was very nice. I can't recall her name. Uh here we go. That's not helpful. <laughs> no. Well, okay, so let's see. Here in Billings, Project Love is the name of the okay. after an entire summer of delivering lunches to school children. More than 21,800 all told. Project Love founder Sarah Moyer wanted to look at other ways to contribute to her community. Uh, So she is, oh, so Moyer will be opening a pay-what-you-want restaurant in the downstairs portion of the former Commons 1882 building in downtown. Oh, nice. Yep. Might have to give that a try, fam. 
I was more curious totally. about oh. the the economic <laughs> angle or like the sales pitch angle. Right. It, I mean, there's there's definitely a way to do it, especially for like a good or or especially a service, um, or even something like podcasts. I've seen podcasts all the time just throw up like a pay what you want style Patreon and right you know you get that's pretty get cool. a handful of benefits but it's really mm-hmm. it's really loose it's like whatever it's worth to you and you get to right but your but the, but you don't much have like no overhead than, yeah yeah than a restaurant this is it, very I, I think true it's gonna be hard for a restaurant because yeah. like it's they're expensive to operate right well this is cool Our, yeah so it's fork and spoon here in bozeman that's right the first and only pay what you can restaurant scratch home scratch made cooking locally sourced ingredients wherever possible that's really cool. I uh, Leah, that was her name. I should, uh, I, you know what? Anyone in Bozeman listening, maybe go try them out. It says they're do- only doing takeout right now, but that's cool. And then looking at the reviews, it's hilarious. One dude's like, absolutely delicious food, but the portions are way too small. Oh my gosh. I'm like, you could pay less. How is it too small? Like, where's the standard? Yeah, what is the standard? Want. I mean, so I was, I was ask for more, pay for more. Yeah, that's amazing. That's that's actually pretty funny. I was puzzling through that. I was wondering, like, after a while, would do you think you could put like on the menu? You could put like the average customer pays this as a suggestion, or do you think that would kind of ruin the point? Mm, that's a good question. But maybe it helps like set at least a bar so that people, yeah. Because for me, it's like every time I run into a pay what you can or pay what you want kind of system, I always, it all, all like immediately feels like it goes into a lot of like, it's it's probably just like me putting it on myself, but like, like a social shame angle, like how much, like, mm. you know, <laughs> are yeah. you a good person or are you going to rip these people <laughs> off? <laughs> right. Yeah. And if you don't have a bar to at least like set a baseline for. I don't know. That's, I mean, maybe the bar is just the restaurants in the neighborhood that serve comparable food. Yeah. Seems like at that point, this is just a really like roundabout, slow way of figuring out what the market price is for exactly. Yes. Yes. We're going to figure out the price, but we're going to do it over the course of six months and we're going to get a lot of input. Right. Yeah. What if they're actually just like (laughs) making tons of fat cash selling? people's data yeah but like we've got the hot topics on that's like, what's really happening like we know what this stuff's <laughs> worth like this prime web like on the market seven dollars that's what people are paying yeah <laughs> <laughs> oof oof oh man what a segue though torna well done with the selling your data angle Ooh. <laughs> data collection and selling it there it is. So, Kat, Pepperman. at the end of last episode, you said you wanted to talk about this whole Facebook antitrust thing, Section 230. Yeah, yeah. I was, um, I think, well, I think sort of the censorship that is quite blatant that's taking place across social media platforms, not just Facebook and Twitter, but Instagram increasingly. I don't know if you guys have seen the warnings that are sort of attached to anything that is uh whiffs of politics. Um and so anyway that that it's becoming so pervasive that I think it's a topic worth discussing, especially on this podcast. And then there's a whole component of um sort of the legality of whether or not the government can actually regulate 
censorship or do something about it. And then there's sort of a bigger question of should they? Right. Or is there another way to address being censored? So fun stuff. A lot of a lot of things to unpack there. Oh, absolutely there are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> and this has been going on for a long time, but it's been getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Depending on who you ask. <laughs> I think it's more it's more overt now. It's more uh yeah, it's they're harder not even, to like, ignore. Trying to be clever. It's just interesting. It's just Yeah. Like no, we don't have any reason why this is happening, but be gone. Well, they went from like, you know, maybe algorithms sort of determining what you see in your feed mm-hmm. um, or limiting, you know, certain posts not getting the same exposure as others to to now straight up like turning off people's accounts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's another level of control that is sort of unprecedented, I would say. Yeah. And honestly, I think this really was highlighted maybe on a more large scale or or opened it up to public concern with the uh, Hunter Biden story. Right. And was that Washington Post? Uh, New York Post. It was New York Post. Mm -hmm. And the overt censorship and banning of that article. And now the... Everyone's reporting on it. Oh, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. Oh, who knew? It was was news. It was. (laughs) It it was was worth talking about. And that was was actually insane. And you have people defending it and... That was definitely when I was like, oh, yeah, this is people from the intelligence community who, frankly, if you've looked at their careers, especially over the last like four years, it's shameful. They should be a laughing stock and no one should take them seriously anymore. But they get, you know, paid to go talk on MSNBC. Mm -hmm. But they signed a letter saying that this was just Russian disinformation, which is complete bullshit. You know, I mean, that's been disproven like thoroughly. And now everyone's sort of acknowledging that it's not Russian disinformation and that it's real, but not acknowledging the fact that they tried to cover it up blatantly. Anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's gross. You mind if I take us a, a few <laughs> steps back? I am woefully yes. undereducated on on everything you guys are talking about so far, especially the Hunter oh, Biden good. stuff. Oh, good. No, please. Give me, yeah, give me the 101. Great. And I don't know where listeners are either with kind of keeping up with the Bidens, but... <laughs> Where to begin? Where to, yeah. <laughs> start. Ba- ba- basically, the gist of the story is it appears, and and this has been known long before sort of the Hunter's laptop was discovered at a repair shop, um, which sparked the New York Ta- New York Post story. But it's been known for several years now that Hunter has sort of been cashing in on his father's name. Case in point, he was paid, I think, was it 50000 a month? To be on the board of Burisma, which was the Ukrainian oil company. Mm-hmm. Right, um, right. And he had no experience in doing any of that at all. And when Biden was asked about it, he just said, well, my my son's a smart guy. So mm-hmm. that's why he should get paid $50,000. And this was while Biden was the vice president and was dealing directly with the Ukrainian government. Anyway, so there's a lot of that and sort of what was discovered on this laptop and actually now what we're learning now that the media is actually reporting on it, the investigation that is a criminal investigation into Hunter Biden and his business dealings and his tax affairs. And it's also an issue of money laundering. It's not just about filing taxes wrong. Mm-hmm. It looks like there's been sort of this is 
more widespread. It's not limited to Ukraine. It's China. It's Ukraine. It's Uzbekistan. And there are several other countries as well. And and so and then the concern is some of the emails that were found on the laptop suggest that not only was Hunter cashing in, but Joe Biden's brother was cashing in. Jim Biden was cashing in. His wife was cashing in. And there's potential that he as well mm-hmm. um, was getting yeah. money from Hunter. Yeah. yeah. That he was yeah. reserving money for the quote unquote big guy, which mm-hmm. apparently is reference to uh, Joe Biden. And the other element of all of this that's pretty damning is that uh, several of uh, Hunter Biden's former business partners, particularly with with within Chinese companies that were basically companies controlled by the Chinese Communist Party, have already been indicted in the United States. And one of them, I'll have to look up his name here, uh, was basically disappeared by the Chinese Communist Party. Mm. Classic. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's shady. There's a lot of red flags. Um, right. And what was interesting about it is this article came out kind of like this bombshell. We have information from this laptop, Hunter Biden's. When I had first seen it, it seemed like they had pretty compelling evidence that it actually was his signatures, testimony that it was actually his story about how the repairman ended up being left with it. His signature is on the receipt, the receipt. from when it was yep. dropped off. And yeah. so they released this story, and I believe the person that wrote it was banned from Twitter. The New York Post New York account. Post was completely banned from at least Twitter. Um, Their account was locked, yeah. Yeah, Facebook. I don't know. I think just I think just Twitter. Right, and then they were censoring anyone that was even like using the words like Hunter Biden. People were writing like goofy stories like mixing up like Hunter and Biden and they were getting flagged and just like shadow removed. Yeah. You couldn't share the link. <laughs> yep. They blocked the link. They blocked the LinkedIn all private messages. And uh oh gosh, I'm forgetting her name, but the White House press secretary, the most recent one. <laughs> uh, uh she her account was also mm-hmm. blocked on Twitter as well. I mean, that's like that's pretty bold. And they kept the uh, New York Post account blocked for weeks. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think over a month. Um, so, yeah, it's for spreading disinformation. Yeah. No one tried verifying it. Right. And then now, what, two, three months later? This is like three months ago. Mm-hmm. Three months later, it's like, oh, yeah, this is actually a legitimate investigation. Everyone's reporting on it. The investigation's been going on since 2018. Right. We're getting more and more information <laughs> on what's happening. Yeah. And that's that's about as overt as you can get. Yeah. And when you start banning legitimate news sources, right. one of the big arguments was like this, like this is an old trusted news organization. Banning off mm-hmm. a social media platform is what we're saying, right? Like the New York Post's yes. website didn't go down. They didn't stop publishing. It was just like Fair. Twitter just took their content off their platform right correct which is where sort of the section 230 element comes into play because the reality is twitter is a massive platform for disseminating information Mm -hmm. right and so so some people feel like that has to be an open marketplace on the flip side they're a private company Mm -hmm. they can do what they want in that regard to some extent so, right. I mean, that's kind of an oversimplification of it, but yeah, that that's where it gets interesting, right? 
And right now, as we're going to dive into this conversation deeper, one of the big issues that's coming out of this, as far as uh, discourse is concerned, is kind of the protections and liberties that these organizations have in that they're not treated like publishers. They're saying they are, you know, they have a right to censor whatever they want, discern what is on their platform and what is not. But then also they aren't responsible for anything that's on it. Okay, okay. They're not held liable for the content published by the website right. users. Yeah. Right. So it's we're, they're kind of now trying to hash out like like you need to pick. Like are you going to be a publisher or are you not? Are you going to curate the content yes. or are you just going to be a platform where people exchange content? And as far as as far as what I've kind of discovered about 230, like the government I I'm convinced actually created this problem with the language and a lot of the laws around that apply to these social media organizations like a lot of there's like good samaritan clauses where it's like well you just like we'll trust that you can discern like what's you know objectionable yada 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 and now there's a big push people are like no you can't just trust a company to decide what's right and wrong like it needs to be is it illegal see in my mind like a social media platform like Twitter, mm-hmm. it's a private company. Right. They're not responsible for ensuring free speech. And so them censoring content, and to my understanding, it's, it's not actually like illegal. Mm-hmm. The question is whether or not they should be held liable and, and sort of be open to, to potential lawsuits from people who are unhappy with what's being shared on their platform. And Section 230 protects them from that. I, as like a small government advocate, I say, let them do that. Let, we can have a better understanding of sort of what that company stands for, what they value. And if people don't like it, they can go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. We already have a competitor that's emerged, Parler, right? Mm -hmm. And this whole debacle drove people to that platform. I mean, they grew by, what was it? It was like 10 million over a very short window of time, like a week or something like that. You know, so then so then there's like natural competition there. And in my mind, like that competition sort of solves these problems. But there's a whole heck of a lot of people that probably I don't think they'd call themselves libertarians, but they're definitely more like they're traditionally considered limited government folks Mm -hmm. that like want it to be regulated. And I personally just from what my understanding of it as at this point, I don't think that that's a good solution. If you like what you're hearing, the best way to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts or on Facebook.com slash WhiskeyBenchPod for Android users. There you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review to help others find the show. Thank you to Reagan James for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. I feel like Henning has a lot to say. I can feel it through mm-hmm. the microphone. <laughs> through my headphones you you interpret my <laughs> silence incorrectly uh, there there's oh, yeah. really? oh no. no there's there's so much here and uh i mean i i i wouldn't even know where to start first of all you guys educated me pretty well on the the hunter biden thing thank you for that i understand where that was going <laughs> those are the cliff notes but <laughs> good cliff notes hey cliff notes work right <laughs> they're useful for a lot of people um this is why companies like Blinkist exist as well. Um, good gravy. I think I, 
I think I agree with you, Kat. I think as long as, you know, Twitter's a private company, they can do exactly what they want to. I it did it does start getting blurry though because they're they're claiming 230, you know, like a hedge built by 230 saying like, "Hey, we're not responsible for these wacko people saying this." But at the same time, they're they're flipping it around and just kind of operating within 230 but still trying to take I don't know, like you're saying, like there it 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 seems like they're selectively choosing what gets taken down just because it doesn't agree with them less or more than Right. You know what I'm trying to and say? Like there is a I do, and that's what I was getting at. Like there's they've got too much protection. Mm, okay. Um as far as how they get to operate. It's like I'm okay with them being able to be a publisher and block stuff and censor stuff and regulate stuff but then it needs to be consistent and then whatever they do let through then they're held accountable for that yeah i think like banning a right-wing person for saying inciting violence which is illegal that's fine but then there's cases where a left-wing person inciting violence has nothing happened to them yeah, and their whole premise and for for I don't care where you are on the spectrum if you're inciting violence, that's against the law. Right. Like take it down. Yeah. And and their whole premise for why they uh or at least what they claimed their reasoning was for censoring the Hunter Biden story, they said that the New York Post was using um like hacked material. Yes. They were like, which is absurd because when you consider like the completely baseless claims that were made throughout the Russia collusion farce, and it was in fact a farce that was, they, none of that was ever censored, you know? And like, right. And then you have things with like the Snowden deal and all yeah, the whistleblowers. Like, yeah. So much classified information Wiki has leaks, been, like, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Saying something was obtained illegally or like without consent mm-hmm. um i think is a pretty weak case for for censoring information well yeah. as long as they're um, consistent in in doing that is, in, the, is in, the main in how they argument it. i mean because there's like there's there's rules there's literal laws in journalism where you can't record someone for use on a podcast or on the radio without their explicit permission to use their voice on the podcast or the radio so like Mm. Right. I get I get the reasoning again. It sounds like we're coming down to like why is it selective? And maybe the reason is just Jack Dorsey doesn't like what those specific people are saying and is just fine well, with and them. Well, and that seems like that, it. <laughs> that is that is is 100% the case. And the other thing is these are one of the problems is these are global platforms in a global market. The United States as a whole is a lot more right-leaning than the rest of, like, Europe, for example, which is a huge base. And in a global market, they are tailoring it towards what is going to make them more money, which, from a business standpoint, I understand. Right. I mean, that's that's kind of true. But it's interesting to see a platform like Twitter, which there's plenty of compelling evidence that says, yeah, these platforms are actually capable of swaying political decisions. And they're censoring American citizens from saying certain things about politics, but then letting non-U.S. citizens comment and have discourse about American 
politics and influence American politics that aren't even citizens here. Mm-hmm. It's it's an interesting, like this it, it being so globally connected in a digital world is is fascinating, and it's true. There's a lot of influential people that are not from America that are very influential in American politics. Right. Do you ever yeah. get flashes? It's like as, as we dig into this, like I'm getting flashes of those like of those dystopian movies where like a single corporation runs Earth and a single corporation runs Mars. And it's like I don't know. <laughs> you, know you know how like in Alien Elon's Elon owns yeah, Mars. Like you know clearly. how in China can how have in moon. Alien oh, the corporation <laughs> is like, you know, every everything is like around the interests of the corporation, especially like aliens, the number two. Like one of the whole plots is how this this corporation guy is just like trying to save his bacon and save like this reactor on this planet, but then Sigourney Weaver is like, "No, you haven't seen these aliens though. They really mess you up." <laughs> I love Sigourney Weaver. Thank you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is her. not She's... a hot take. That is a <laughs> yeah tried That's and true the most true genuine. take ever. Thank you, Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> Anyway, like this, this massive, yeah, just like capitalism is one in these worlds, but it doesn't seem great. And that's. No, that isn't, that isn't, no, that is not capitalism. That is, that is crony capitalism. And that is, that is a company that is basically in bed with the state. And that, and I think that the concern with a company like Twitter is that they have aligned themselves with a political party and that political party is very powerful. And and I think ultimately, whether that's really been articulated or not, I think that's a big part of the concern on, on Republicans' minds yeah, anyway, okay. that, that there's sort of these two powerhouses that have merged, you know, and what does that mean for further sharing their message and disseminating like their version of reality, you know? And, oh. and, and yeah. the other thing that's interesting about this is, the people that are making the rules are very old in general and not <laughs> yeah. connected with the digital world. Yeah. And so they are oh, now man, those hearings weren't that <laughs> if that didn't prove it to you, I don't know what will then yeah. they are reaching out That's and they're asking, true. they are asking these, the biggest corporations to help create the legislation to control them. the legislation. Right. And right, at what right. point, like, yes, is it just obvious that, if you're in bed with the government, like, right. may, like maybe you should be regulated. So, yeah. which is which is worse in your guys' eyes? The a company like that getting in bed with politics in that way, or the government turning around and kicking one of them and telling them, "Hey, you're too big. Break up." This is what I. The Facebook antitrust stuff mm-hmm. and the Google stuff right now. I mean, Google literally a lawsuit was announced today about their advertising today, monopoly. Right. 38 states yep. right, right. are in against them. Also, Apple right now is suing yep. Google. Or, or Apple's, Google's suing Apple. Mm. And this is funny, like, I'm actually, I never thought I'd be like, yeah, I'm like really on the side with Apple. Apple was like, yeah, it, we think that it's wrong. Like, you should ask your users if you can collect their data. And Google was like, uh, excuse me? Like, no, you shouldn't ask them. And they're suing Apple for that. <laughs> Google is suing Apple because Apple thinks that Google should ask their users yeah. before they collect data. Yeah. Huh. 
Wowzers. And I was like, huh, okay. okay. From what I understand of it, that's yeah, 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 fine. Yeah. Just wow. But yeah, I don't know. What do you What do you guys think? The government kicking a kicking the bees nest a little bit, or or just playing playing ball? Uh, I I wow. don't. Those are two yeah. shitty options. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I think the government's only role in these situations is to ensure that competition can take place, and then it's up to innovators mm-hmm. to challenge and okay compete. so does the government have nothing and to disrupt. do then because we have facebook and twitter and parlor and reddit and you, like you can go down the list i don't think the facebook antitrust stuff i think it's bullshit frankly hmm. I you don't know? know i don't know much about it so. they like uh, the limited amount i know basically the big point of contention is that facebook purchase two competitors i mean they've purchased many but mm-hmm. the two that yeah. that sort of the U.S. government's griping on is WhatsApp and Instagram. Right. The reality is, it's like Instagram and WhatsApp made a crap ton of money I in think that it's great. deal. Yeah, they made a good product, and the, Facebook was like, "We'll give you billions of dollars." Yeah, yeah. The Federal Trade Commission approved these deals when they yep. went down two, three right. years ago, and now, in retrospect, they're saying, <laughs> "Well, wait a second. Actually, we think you're too big." That's but that's only because Facebook successfully made WhatsApp and Instagram products so attractive that their user base grew, and now it's like, oh no, yeah, Facebook right, exactly. can't you know, control like, to me, all that's that. just good business, right? Yeah, and and the other irony of this whole thing is that it isn't just like one party that's pissed off at these companies, and the other is sort of in bed with yeah. them. Like what I said earlier, sort of misleading. The reality is, Republicans are frustrated at social media giants because they claim that they censor conservative speech and liberals democrats are angry at these social media giants because they're just one they're a big company and that's inherently bad and two (laughs) and two they think they don't censor censor enough yeah enough of the you know conservative speech which in their terms is you know it's it's like hate speech or it's offensive or it's misinformation mm-hmm. you know so so the, the irony of that it's like you know both parties are pissed at these companies and they're both mad at them for opposing reasons which makes me leads me to believe like yeah but the headline i don't think leadership from yeah, either knows what but they're the headline about. just gets written as bipartisan support for facebook antitrust lawsuit yeah and then and it'll be I mean, it'll be funny to see how it plays out, because if if each if if these different <clears throat> if sort of different factions of the government have different goals with what they want to accomplish mm. with regulating Twitter or breaking up Facebook. How is that actually going to play out? Like, what's the end goal? It doesn't there doesn't seem to be a consensus on the solution, quote mm-hmm. unquote. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. The biggest thing for me is uh, I don't I don't care if Twitter become so wildly popular that they are you know the largest company you know the you know in the world they have got the highest value that's fine my issue is making sure that these businesses are operating their their service under the law and making sure that the law is fair right that's the biggest thing and i would say that right now it's not with with regard to what with- to them like it give it grants them i think it grants them too much protection Hmm. with how they operate their business and then you also 
you know, going into like YouTube and censorship and things like that. Again, like it's a private business, right? They can do what they want, but you see it harming basically who they are in contract with as far as content creators. Mm. So you have channels that are having their videos demonetized or outright censored for not breaking any violations, even though they're in a partnership with YouTube, right? And when a video is released and it's demonetized, you have to go have it manually reviewed. And generally these content creators see their most traffic and revenue within like the first two days. Mm. And sometimes this process takes like a week. So now you have people that you're offering a service to them and you're making money off of them, but you're abusing them in in a sense, um, which is how I would perceive it. So that's, I mean, that's a little different, but that's, that's an issue. But I think even there, there's like, there's a competitors that are emerging for YouTube. There's sort of, there's competitors emerging right. for all of these specific platforms. And the question is how long will it take for money to be in it? That's the biggest thing. Sure. It's sure. like, how do you incentivize people to change platforms? Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, and that's the big, that's the big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then it's interesting too, because then you think like, okay, well, if this really is sort of, if there's a political bias that sort of colors this whole mm-hmm. issue, then, and, and say the solution we pursue is competitors emerge and people who feel like they're being censored or blacklisted from one platform goes to the alternative. Does that mean all of a sudden, like the country split in half and we live well, in our own little social media bubbles where we get our, <laughs> that's where it's headed. Which right. Is, and when then we just, then they just become these echo chambers and like our preconceived ideas are reinforced and we, we have no idea what's well, actually yeah. like mm-hmm. happening objectively. You, I mean, it, that, that part's scary, right? right. Like, yeah. Well, think, yeah, I mean, parlor, sure, but like Twitter, Twitter's the same. There's a reason parlor right, exists, yeah, right? You right. know, like, yeah, so it's that, that part's scary. But, but again, like, do you want the government to, t- to try to stop that from happening? I right. don't know. Yeah, unless it's no, just probably the, not. the company making the decision, right? What did mm-hmm. you guys hear the news that MasterCard is going to pretty much like they're going to stop allowing their card to be used on porn sites? Yeah, I believe Visa as well, MasterCard, oh, really? maybe even Discover, yeah. all the major credit cards I actually came wow. came through. I That's probably great. Don't have any issue with that because enough evidence has come out that there is illegal activity. Yeah. Like good. Although I I was thinking about this, I have what's a feeling cuz the porn industry is such yeah, a massive Yeah, what's the drive underground effect that's going to come out of that? Though? Uh they're accepting Bitcoin now. I was just gonna see Bitcoin. Bitcoin's probably gonna go up. <laughs> it you know, already is. Yeah, that would it's be my guess. The last um, few days, is such right a now. huge market. Yeah. Um, oh my god! And I some of it might be <laughs> some of it might be hype. Like people are thinking, like us, they're like, "Oh, this is a multi-billion-dollar industry." Yeah. And now they're only going to be taking Bitcoin. Right. right. But who knows? It doesn't matter. If it's going up. Someone's yeah. gonna someone's gonna lose their ass, and someone's gonna make bank. So. <laughs> and and you know if that's. To me, like private companies want to do that, yeah, right on, and I'd rather that than i don't I don't think the internet should really be regulated, like oh, if there's a whole host West of dark, horrible, yeah. scary things yeah. on there, fuck it, I think I think that's so long as okay, it's not illegal, I mean that's you've gotta 
a legal thing. Why? But like, what's the difference between like the virtual world and the physical world? All, all sorts oh, of, you know, there's like a dark web. At this point. It's the same yeah. thing as like. Right, right. Exactly. Right. You know what I mean? So like, digital I'm, life is life. It's not even digital. Of, of anymore. course, I guess. I, I guess I'm not advocating for like no laws anywhere. In the, right. <laughs> so I guess you're right. Yeah. But like, I don't think that means that it would. You can snuff out all of the illegal activity just because there's no, not at all. But I think it's, I think it's good though that a company that's like, yeah, this is not within law, like human trafficking, right? Children pornography, yeah, like those are all really awful illegal things. Like, right, you're not abiding by the law, so we can't service you. That seems, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good reasonable. Um, But then it's like Bitcoin. Is it just because of how untraceable it is that that works? So then is Bitcoin actually like the lawless currency? Mm. I'm surprised that hasn't been regulated more. I haven't really followed the evolution of Bitcoin enough. I, here's the honest truth. I don't really understand cryptocurrency. <laughs> I can't well. pretend to either. <laughs> and I don't think a lot of people do. And I think a lot of the people that are super rich with um, or have made their fortunes in cryptocurrency don't understand it. Have they actually made real tangible fortunes? Yeah, didn't they? We just get the first Bitcoin billionaire. Hmm. I'm not sure. Henning, I feel like you'd know about this. Uh, another one that I don't really know a lot about. I know we did get our first Bitcoin billionaire. Does that mean he has a billion Bitcoin or like enough Bitcoin to equal yeah, a like billion what does that dollars? Mean? <laughs> I think he's got a he's got a billion dollars worth okay. of Bitcoin. Because even yeah, because a Bitcoin billionaire, like you would think he has a billion Bitcoin. Because because we're talking currency, right? But, like. I don't know. That that's a whole nother weird. <laughs> um but yeah. yeah. That's the, a good point. Yeah, it's the blockchain technology that you're you're referencing. Like that's mm-hmm, that's where mm-hmm. people don't really understand how it's working. They just know like, oh, it's untraceable. Neat. And then right. just keep skipping along. And there was a craze for it, and I severely overpaid for my graphics card when I built my computer. Whoa, sorry, what? It's story time. Story time. So, <laughs> so two years ago, I built my gaming and yeah. editing computer. It's quite pretty. It's beautiful. Yep. Um, Looks like a terrarium. It kind of does. It's got glass <laughs> on it and lots of green lights, rainbow and colors. <laughs> and, yeah. um, anyway, basically, you mine Bitcoin and you use computational power to create blockchains so you're encrypting and building these blockchain currencies so you can actually mine it and it's like a non-tangible resource and you need computational power to do so so people were buying up all of the graphics cards um, computer components and building these giant mining servers so i have a nice but lower than I would want graphics card. I paid probably $900 for my graphics card. And uh, I think it's probably like 400 now. Because mm. there was such a hype for it. There was, everyone was like backordered. People were just buying computers. Like they would buy like a $2,000 yeah. computer and just pull the graphics oh, card out of it. Wow. Because it was cheaper to do that because these companies building prefab computers just had big contracts with Asus or whoever was producing their yeah yeah their graphics cards and so 
Wow. Very Supply and demand, times. man. So like computer, computer parts were, you know, people were selling their old 10-year-old graphics card for, you know, $500. <laughs> and, and when was this? Like two years ago. Oh, man. Okay. I don't know if things have caught up or maybe there's a little less hype around it or what, but. <laughs> and like I knew, I knew like people that were doing it. Like small setup, so it was not a ton of income, but they were like, Yeah, I'm mining cryptocurrency. And again, I'm like, I just don't understand it. Like, you're mining, like, right, okay, <laughs> yeah, you're using, you, yeah, is there like a corner of the internet they go to and they it's like just you're like, using click, yeah, and I and I don't know. And again, I, this is interesting, there's got to be some listeners that can educate me on this. Please reach out. <laughs> I, I'm not sure, I, I think that the value of the cryptocurrency that you're mining is that your server. You're lending it out for computational power for other people. So this is an interesting right. thing. Like at the at MSU, like the engineers and things like that have access to a giant server. So remotely from your computer, you can log into the MSU server and run like mathematical computation on their computers because they have these big supercomputers. So you're sending that data remotely to this big supercomputer it's calculating all of these you know whatever you want some number out to 100,000 digits there's no way that your computer it would take like years to compute it on this hmm. so you you send it out you outsource to these giant servers and then you get a number back but it's expensive and so i th- maybe the value comes from your computational power like an iou i i'm hmm. kind of ranting here i'm trying to like work this out in my head yeah. Computational power of everyone who's. Guys, I'm a dumb dumb when it comes to technology. <laughs> I was just going to say, I got nothing in response to that comment. <laughs> no. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so, yeah, cryptocurrency. I don't know how we got on this, but whatever. <laughs> no, we got on it because we were. T- yeah. Pornography. Credit yes. cards not allowing them right. to be used on porn sites. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. You don't even need that right. at this point. <laughs> the, the way Parlor is yeah. going, you just go to Parlor for your nudies. Is that yes. what's on Parlor? Yeah. It's, it's, Isn't it's there really nudies everywhere? Twitter, oh, doesn't, is it? Twitter doesn't have any guidelines on uh, nudity, right? I think that's true. Yeah. I, though. I yeah. Mean, my, my, I think that's changing. My, can I just say quickly, my, my uh, organization uh, before I came on a few years ago had a research report that we produced called pay to play oh boy and they used to use the hashtag no. pay to play and i like google i looked oh, it no. up oh no i looked it up when i first started and was horrified. Uh, oh. <laughs> i remember going to my boss being like we can never you're like, use you're, that you're like it was just public again. and it was so it was so innocent my first oh act. Yeah. yeah it was like perk and our like report about like how to like better fund public lands conservation and then like very graphic things. <laughs> you know, it was funny. Whoa. Yeah, that is not your hashtag for sure. It was very funny. No, it is not. Yeah, it's not definitely Whoops. Not. <laughs> Maybe hashtag pay to participate. Pay to participate. <laughs> it doesn't have the same ring to it, no, but yeah. There's yeah, not the rhyme in there, but at oh, least man. some alliteration. Again, back to the alliteration. Right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like old school Tumblr, right? Oh, yeah, dude. Like they had a zero like regulation 
for pornography and then mm. they and then changed, they changed it, it and, think, and then everyone left because that's what most of Tumblr Pinterest, was being and then, used for. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. I, I've never used Tumblr. I never did either. Is it the same as like stumble upon? Oh boy. That was thing, I'm right? not sure. It's just, it was just like a, these were like, imagine like digital scrapbook. Yeah. It was just or, kind of a, like a blogging site basically. It was like a, clearing house for random things on the internet i felt like yeah like you just imagine like find things <laughs> i guess that's true. tumblr was like <laughs> pinterest and instagram had a freak baby a little bit actually <laughs> yeah. that's a really good way to put that yeah because it was all yeah. about that the is, reblog yeah. that's what they called their like retweet mm-hmm. or their share or whatever all about the mm. reblog we got to give all the, the the high school artists somewhere to put their stuff right <laughs> this is my super dramatic painting angsty yeah. poems yeah exactly <laughs> like just typed up on some picture of the galaxy yeah nobody <laughs> understands the pain that i feel every day that i wake up wow whatever oh, happened to myspace it went away and it's sad did anyone acquire it, or did no, it just like, like does it still exist like, though? Running like, quiet. like on MySpace. So like it, you say it went away, like relevance, but it's still there. I, I, me, like myself, and then most of my friends, none of us can remember what our passwords were, so no, we can't get into it. But I know there's like a treasure trove of information there. Uh, whiskey bench needs a MySpace. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's get off Facebook. So? Uh, yeah, let's make get MySpace cool again. <laughs> That's the thing too. So, like bringing it back to oh, our original yeah. conversation, I, I, I don't know, Cat. I like your default of like, hey, it's a private company, and as long as it's private, like, they're gonna do how they do, and if you don't want to participate, you don't have to participate. Like that's exactly how I've treated Facebook. Like I don't think this place is worth my time, my energy, or all this anger mm-hmm. that it's mining out. It's <laughs> Anger was crypto mining <laughs> yeah. in me, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And that's a currency and with just, no value. It just right. wasn't, <laughs> it just, it's just, I don't know. It's just not worth my time. Though at the same time, I can also acknowledge the fact when I tell people like, yeah, I'm not on Facebook anymore. I think I'm actually going to go so far as actually like deactivating my Facebook account. You can never I know you can never it. delete it, but at the same time, I still have to like quote, like air quote, Such deactivate because I still have a fucking Instagram, and like, <laughs> and that's the thing though. <laughs> it's so true. Oh, that's that's yeah. right. <gasps> that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big yeah. rip. I so, love Instagram. Not as much I as Twitter. Do, but... And see, I do like Instagram, <laughs> and it's a Facebook product now. But like, I don't know. I wouldn't, <laughs> this is, this is completely selfish. This has nothing, this is no commentary on like the political actions of possibly breaking WhatsApp and Instagram off of Facebook, but I wouldn't mind just so I could get more of my info away from Zuck some more. <laughs> like, Mark, you don't <laughs> yeah. need this. Go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'll find other ways. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> now I'm paranoid of like, like I go and uh, I wanted to post a picture today on Twitter and then I forgot that like none of my apps have permission. And they're like, well, you need to go give permission to your camera. I'm like, okay. So I go and give permission. That's to my always a hard moment. Camera, and they're like, <laughs> we also need to have permission to use your microphone. And I'm like, 
why? I just want to take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you're going to share a video, though, that's the, I mean, that's obviously the thing. But. Right. Just tell yeah, me I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but at least they're asking a little bit. At least there's a little barrier. Right? Yeah, but then I'm like, I just opened the, like. You scroll. Are you watching You scroll right the now? 12 pages of terms and conditions to find the accept button. <laughs> And then just move on. Yes. Yes. I've kind of, and maybe this is foolish of me, but I've sort of, I feel like I just accepted many years ago that like there's sort of no way to fully function in the modern world without having your personal true. information yep. be vulnerable. Yeah. And so I've kind of just well, said, no, it's 100% it just takes true. And smart it's even crazy. It. Get a password manager. What's- like. Delete everything off of your old Facebook yes. from high school, yep. which I did. <laughs> I spent like hours one day being like, Manually Holy delete that shit if stuff. you don't want it existing yeah. anymore. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've posted anything controversial or. Mine was just it's like so stupid. Cringy. I started applying oh, to jobs when I was guys. out of college and I was like, oh my God, I don't want yeah. anyone scrolling through old this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's like, oh yeah, they're going to look the at me and be like, oh. Yeah. This kid was a loser <laughs> in 2012. Like everyone was a loser when they were 10. <laughs> it's weird though that like really the atmosphere of social media hasn't really changed 10, though. It's like either we're going to I don't know. I just threw a number out there. <laughs> Sorry, Henning, it's like, come on. It's like either we're going to fight about politics or we're just going to tweet like ate some toast today. It's like, okay, cool. Like what other 16-year-old hasn't tweeted that? Like, I don't know. The atmosphere yeah. just hasn't really and, changed, but there's still something charming about it. And I don't really mind having, like, my opinion on sort of, quote unquote, offensive speech. I'd rather know what people really think. Mm, yes. Right? Like, information is power. If I know that the CEO of some company, you know, is sexist, which or like is very some, loosely defined, some... but leader of some or, country likes wearing blackface yeah, right <laughs> like or you mean like a governor <laughs> yeah well, yeah. yeah you know or just like yeah totally anything like that All i would our rather pretty boys i would rather <laughs> right, i would rather have that information and mm-hmm. then i can make decisions about how i spend my money who i vote for yeah where right. i spend my time you know like that that information i think is really valuable and the idea that we're going to have some sort of some sort of standard of what's okay, which is constantly evolving. Right. right? And, and then there's going to be people who enforce that standard, who chooses who the enforcers are, who chooses what the standard is. Like that's where you get into the scary dystopian future. Well, that yeah. we're all And then if you of. do get a split in, in yeah. these, you know, whatever it is, because the, the, the truth is like, if there is a split of technology right now, it's probably going to be on political basis. And so each platform is going to have, you know, a big old circle of jerks nice. being jerks. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, and then and then it would be interesting. Like, how is that going to evolve? Yeah. Does that become it would be an interesting social experiment. Would it become less valuable for the users if it is just this circle jerk mm-hmm. <laughs> or like, is there something of value in kind of the animosity that Twitter breeds? Like, do people go there for that? Yeah. to some extent right they do right <laughs> so like yeah so so it could be interesting like maybe that competition and sort of dividing the audiences maybe it would just make 
both platforms mm-hmm. and even forms of communication right. less powerful. Because I mean, the main market Perhaps. is like dopamine doesn't care if you're being if you're like super excited or super angry or both. Like it doesn't matter if you're happy or sad. Dopamine does what dopamine does, and that's what social media sells us. Right. Yes. That's a you know, very good like out, yeah. outrage mm-hmm. or just like looking at cute puppies. <laughs> you're getting the same thing out of it. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. And people like complaining about these platforms too. I mean, how many hilarious tweets are there with just true. people being like, I hate Twitter. Yeah. Twitter is just a place where people go to yell at each other, you know, and it's like, that's awesome. I'm going to retweet it. You know, and it's like, but you're still on Twitter. I'm like, yell at you. do you really hate yeah, it? Like, get off, you know? So, hot. Yeah. Soup should There's be hot. Value in it. That was a big tweet. Should be, yeah. be cold, man. You guys. <laughs> I, did, I did it. I stepped in it. I <laughs> I thought of a tweet, but I didn't tweet it yet. Save we'll, that we'll in those drafts, weekend. fam. Yeah. Really... Keep an eye out for it. I, I have so many tweets in my drafts. I will. Especially like if they're time sensitive. Like, oh, <laughs> I, have, I have a tweet thread ready to put a certain podcast producer who ends up being a co-host on one of my favorite podcasts. I have a tweet thread. We'll just put him on blast, depending on how things work out in January. Because hmm, I uh, wonder who oh, that could be. Oh boy. I, I, I listen to that guy, and I like atomic eye rolls, fam. I you can't even see the colors in my eyes. It's all they're just rolling into the back of my head. He sounds like such is, a fucking is, nutter. Is there is their name Tam? <laughs> I'm not going to do it yet. I'm not. That's I'm a not, yes. <laughs> I'm not going to do it yet. Nope. Okay. I don't even know it's who you're on, talking well, about. Well, if you would listen to the podcast I keep texting you about, <laughs> you would know what I'm talking <laughs> I listened. I listened to Wealth, Power, and Influence, the episode you sent. Okay, I listened, I listened to, to the episode. I don't know if you're going to like that. my thoughts. Oh, okay. Maybe this is a half post Post episode conversation could be yeah yeah you don't you don't want to see hitting an eye no you don't yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> you're right <laughs> all right fair enough okay. no I don't you can't, you can't yeah, hurt my feelings I don't, you can't <laughs> hurt my feelings about someone else's show you could hurt my feelings about one of my shows but I don't think you would do that um <laughs> I love your shows thank you well so, oh now I'm crying anyway <laughs> so, <laughs> speaking of shows though that's this is this is one of the takeaways I had for this episode was like. RSS feeds, man, like this is why I love podcasting so much because like RSS feed is free for everyone and anyone to create. Mm -hmm. You can publish words in like published text. You could do videos. You could do audio, which is that's all a podcast is, is like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, like all the apps. All they do is just aggregate RSS feeds, but you don't need any of those directories and you don't need any of those sites to get you a podcast. Which is mm-hmm. why I think podcasting is so compelling. It's like, it really is kind of that decentralization of like, hey, do you want to talk in public? And even if it, in public means the five people who might listen to it, cool. Go for it. Literally right. no yeah. one's stepping in. And it allows in. for the... It's a technology available to you, but it's yeah. not like you have to sign up for an RSS account. You're just there. You just sign up for it. Right. And it allows for the nuance like we talked about in the last episode, which is important too, right? So it's actually, so podcasting really is doing a service for humanity because it's breaking this 
I think, very unhealthy and divisive well, trend is. that other social media or forms of communication that are popular. Is. I just um, read a great piece, so, too. Um, yeah. Somebody interviewed Malcolm Gladwell, who hosts Revision, Revisionist History and Broken Record. Um, he also founded Pushkin Industries, which is one of the bigger podcast networks now. But uh, he was essentially making the argument that podcasting is like returning to our human evolutionary roots. It's like for us, screens, reading books, like uh, consuming content visually is very new to us. Like there's a reason we talk about oral tradition before we start talking about written right. histories. And hmm. it's because like yeah. literally our species evolved to spread information by telling stories and speaking to one another and using our ears and like learning mm-hmm. how to actively listen and gain the knowledge of someone who is trying to share it. So like, and that's, that's what this is. And you can also be free to listen that's to a really podcast neat. and mm-hmm. do the yeah. dishes or like shovel the walk or whatever. It's also, that's why I think yeah. it's better than TV. It's like, I, it's not engaging every more of my senses, like allowing it to just be focused on one sense. I get to do something else. Yeah, and you, you can, can be draw, way more productive. or you can knit, or you can <laughs> absolutely. I Is that know. what you do while you listen to podcasts, Hannah? Do you knit? No, I don't knit. <laughs> I don't know how to knit. That's one thing I have not learned yet: is mm. knitting. So my wife just taught me macrame, you guys. So that's what I'm into. Whoa, it's, a, it's like a fancy braiding kind of. Whoa, you make like dresses and hanging things for your plants and like hanging all things. Art. Oh. Oh, I've seen the hanging thing. It's things. pretty like 1970s. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's pretty okay. bohemian, fam. But uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's fun. It's That's fun to, to like <laughs> use my hands for something. So what I'm doing with it, though, I'm using twine and I'm making a... Uh, so one of, my, one of my good friends gave me... Um, when she went to South America, she gave me a strand of like these, um, these beads that were like seeds. I've, I really forget mm-hmm. what they are right now. But uh, she gave me this big strand of them. Um, but they're just like held together like by fishing line or something. So what I'm doing is is macrameing a whole thing, and I'm going to use those beads and build like a set of prayer beads out of them for my like morning meditation practice. So cool. yeah, oh, kind nice. of putting putting a lot of elements together. Bad. You're gonna be like a little flipping around, little nunchuck action with your <laughs> with my prayer beads. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. This is the direction we're going. All right. Yeah. Does that feel like a sign off? I'm ready to hear Cat roast my favorite. I think podcast. that's pretty good. I just wanted to say. Sorry. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> I did just want to say one thing. Yeah. Um. People get really worked up and upset about what people post online, and I'm guilty of that. Like I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I don't, I don't engage, but I just, I look at what people say or what they think, and I'm, like, <laughs> I think you're so stupid, and. uh that's my problem, not Twitter's problem. That's that a is, fair point. That's extreme ownership people, right people there. Need, people need to, you need to curate yourself and stop trying to curate other people. Hmm. And I think that would be a good right. thing to keep in mind. Because mm-hmm. I know it's really easy for me to be like, this is blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm so upset. Like, this is malarkey. <laughs> as daddy biden says and uh come on man (laughs) come on man this is malarkey um 
But, you know, if I'm that upset, maybe I just need to right. block that person or even they're like people I don't know. But Or accept that people have different it's views very much, and just yeah, keep yeah, on It's, it's very uh, stoic of you to make that ob- observation, Stephen. It's like uh, one of my favorite sayings mm-hmm. is people don't make you angry. You allow them to make you angry. And it's like, yeah, yep. you, you mm-hmm. choose your response to literally everything that's given to you. So. If anger is the one that's coming up, like, are you going to allow that to continue? Or are you going to learn how to either harness that, energize you, or just continue to just, like, poison you? Right. Yeah, and if you end up getting angry, you definitely lost. Mm, yeah. So so personal responsibility is the uh, I mean, it, the always, come, it always comes around to personal responsibility. <laughs> it does. It does <laughs> indeed. Pretty on brand. That's good. Well done. Yes. All right, fam. <laughs> Shall cheers. we cheers? Yeah, why not? I think that we're we're pretty set. A good conversation. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Episode over. Thank you for joining us on the Whiskey Bench. If you would do us a favor, please tell a friend about the show in person, with a text, or by sharing about it on social media. You can join us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest, all at Whiskey Bench Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Remember, always drink responsibly. And cheers to a fulfilled life with all its beauty. Mm-hmm.